I never know where I, where, where I come from. I asked my grandmother, I asked my grandfather, I asked people, they say, I don't know. Nobody know. So when, when I see God make us, first, first my question, I want to know him. I want to know God make me. I, I want to know him. The second thing, my question in my life is, I want to go to heaven. I always know, I never, never can go to heaven. Whatever good I do, how much I do, I never have peace that I can go to heaven. So when, when I heard that Jesus died on the cross for us, he is a bridge for us to go back to God and can go to heaven. I, like, I asked him, what can I do? And he said, what do you mean? I said, can I believe God? I don't know, Christian. I just said, can I leave, believe God that made me? And I want to go to heaven. He said, you can, but don't do for me. Don't do because you're my friend. You and me, you Buddhists, I'm Christian, we still can be friends. But, but don't do for me. Believe for yourself. Do it for yourself. I say, I believe. And he said, take time. <laughs> say, take time. Don't, don't, don't hurry. Just take time. I sit maybe five minutes. And he just walk. He go do something. I say, I'm ready now. And so we pray. So I got saved. I, I in Bangkok, I find the church. I go to church. And um, I tell my mom and my dad that I'm a Christian. And they, they won't like it. And uh, I got saved 20. 21, I have to, to be a monk. You know, shave your head, wear orange clothes to go to the temple. Because my family, is, they believe that if you do that for them, they can hold on to yellow clothes that they can go to heaven. I only son in the family. So if you have two or three, you might escape, but I only one. And I say, I cannot do that for him. My dad is really strong man. And what he say, I do. He don't have to spank me. He just yell, I'm cry. <laughs> so I never say no, but, but you know, this is the first time in my life that I said no to him. And, and, and when I say that, he's, he's like, you, you can't do this for me. I said no. And he prepared everything ready for me to go to, go to the temple. He been hiding the elephant. Elephant in Thailand is very sacred. And if you can go in the back of the elephant and walk into the temple, it's special. So he tried to do everything he can because he really believed on that. So I say, I can't do that for him. He say, I don't have a son that say no to me. So from that day on, been a few months, he's cut me off. I will call home, he never answer my phone. My mom will answer, he been sick, he just can't cope with life. He start drinking. 
it's about 10 years after I got saved. He's been drinking every, every a whole time. And two years ago from that, he got cancer and killed him. So he, I, I try, our relationship is never back to normal, but I, we, 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 we back to talk, but we, we never, I never can. Uh, I tell him the gospel, but he don't really, you know, not really listening. To, when he's sick in that two year that I try to tell him, and then my sister got saved, my, my uh, sister's children got saved, so we've been trying to, to witness to him. Only, th- only thing I can remember, he say, I know everything you tell me, but it's up to me, I believe or not. So he died. So I, I don't know what, 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 what happening. I, I hope that God have mercy on him in the last minute. So um, now, my life is, I, I, I got saved. I served the Lord in Nakonsawan. Mary, have two children, one 13, one 11. And uh, I, I tell my wife before we, we, we're going to serve the Lord, I say, uh, we, I'm not going to be a businessman. I'm not going to be working. I will be serve God and Whatever God provides to us, we will live that way, and we will live for Him. I I, I have this this thing in my heart. Is I don't have much to give God. I'm not good, you know. I, I, compared to other people, I'm I'm the worst one. But I say, God, I have one life. I will give all to you, and I I wouldn't have any design to do other thing. I want to. I want to give him, I want to see the Thai people got saved more and win more people. I want to say thank you for you church to, to, send, uh, to send a missionary and send, you know, support missionary, praying for them. You know, I only have one missionary tell me the gospel. It not, uh, after that, there's no other coming. So nobody tell me after 15 years. Nobody else tell me. So because your prayer, your support, because your sacrifice, that I'm here. You know, nobody else tell me. So thank you for that. Thank you, Pastor. That's back on. Just when I took it off. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I'm in Thailand. <laughs> we have things like that happen all the time. People run crazy, try to work out what's going on, and Thailand taught me patience. First uh, Samuel chapter number 10. Thanks for listening to Joe. And, uh, you know, he's just a very... Well, what you see is what he is. He's very sincere. 
Joe has led many ties to Christ. Uh, I don't know another person who explains the gospel as clearly in Thai as Joe. Uh, I've sat through uh, gospel presentations. I've been there when he's been leading someone to Christ, and I'll just stay in the room and listen. And uh, it'll take sometimes an hour and a half or two hours. And uh, he will start where God started with him. So he'll start explaining there's a God. And, and, you know, maybe you don't need to say that here. I, I don't know. But in Thailand, that's the first revelation. Oh. Hmm. And he made you. Hmm. And you have to start there to explain things they've never heard of. What, I don't know if you picked that up. He said, all my life, I wondered, where did we come from? And he said, I was, he used to tell me, he said, I'd say to my mother and father, where, where do we come from? And they would say, I don't know. And he would ask his grandparents, because they were elder, you know, and, and they would say, I, I, I don't know. And uh, he never knew. And, and that's very common with Thai people to have a lot of questions, but nobody's ever able to answer that. Uh, Joe, Joe, what Joe didn't tell you, at 15, his dad said to him, you need to leave school. And uh, Joe, said, uh, Joe said, next week the class is graduating and they're going to give out the, you know, the certificate of you finished school. Uh, can, can I go? And his dad said, no, we don't have time for that. We'll pick it up for you. And so he had to get on a bus at 15 and uh, take a 12-hour trip on a bus, get to a city that he'd never been to, a big city, and, and find somewhere to stay at 15 and, and somewhere to sleep and somewhere to get a job because his parents were pressing him, we, we, you've got to get money and you've got to send it back. And I want to tell you, they grow up quick. They, 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 they look small, but they grow up quick. And a lot of burdens are on them. And uh, so he, uh, you know, he, he did that. And there's just a lot more we could tell you. He told me about the first time that he, he got on a bus, but, but he, didn't, he didn't know where it was going. And it took him miles the wrong way. <laughs> and then he just got off. And he's 15, you know, and he's trying to find his way around. And uh, just, uh, you know, sometimes we'll go walking and, and we'll be out in the street witnessing and he'll say, you know, right here. He said, I, I used to stand right here. I said, oh, you were here. And he'd say, yeah, I used to stand here, try to sell things on the street. And uh, I said, oh, that's, I said, that's awful. How, how, how old were you then? And he said, oh, I was about 15. I said, Joe, you should have called me. <laughs> and he just looks at me. I didn't know you. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I tell you, you should have called me. But, uh, but he's a very genuine person. And, uh, and there, are, there are many others there like that as well. Uh, by the way, I'm going to preach and then I'm done. And this is the end of our time together. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be leaving in the morning. Uh, you have other great missionaries here. You're going to have a great meeting. And, uh, but, but our time will end tonight. And so uh, this will be my last time to talk to you. Just before I take you to the text, I want to tell you that I have spoken to your pastor and I've asked him, would he please pray about coming to us sometime? I've, I've suggested to him 
that we could really use him around sort of early December. We have a conference once a year. And, uh, you know, over here, I don't know, there probably are other conferences at other times. That doesn't happen that way in Thailand. Like, there's one. And so people travel a long way. And, and it's a one time to strengthen the ties that are there. It's a very moving experience. And if you're in Thailand in early December and you ever want to do that, you know, we could talk about you visiting us for sure. But I want to say to the church members, uh, I've, asked, I've asked your pastor. You say, well, why, why, why are you telling us? Well, because if he goes, that will be your sacrifice. You, you will be consenting that we will send him for you, Brother Shemish. We will, we will send him to you, and we'll send him to you, not with resentment, but with our blessing. And so please uh, know that I have, I have initiated that, and I've asked, and it would be a blessing to us, and it would help us, and if, if the Lord so leads that way. All right, so I just wanted to, to let you know that, because we can help missionaries in different ways, and certainly we need your support, and double certainly we need your prayer, but sometimes sending someone can be a help. Are we okay with that? All right, 1 Samuel chapter number 10. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses here. You may think this is a little strange. Uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to show you uh, how God equips someone to succeed in the ministry. And, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to point out to you some things in the life of Saul. And uh, some of you, the, the, one of the obstacles we have to understanding these passages is we think in our mind, well, Brother Shemish, uh, Saul really is not a great model because he really did not succeed. Uh, he, was not, he was really not obedient, and all of that is true. But the danger you make is to think that God set him up for failure. And certainly God never sets anybody up for failure. Uh, and and if, we, if we have failed at something God has given us to do, then we have done so because we have departed the path that God was on. And so, so uh, Saul was someone who did it. Or, may I say, you perhaps thought you failed at something, but you may be measuring by the wrong things. I told you last night about the missionary who led one man to Christ and lamented the fact that that he had tried so hard with seemingly such a small, tangible result, and yet God was very much in that. And in fact, that man may have borne a heavier burden than I, in that he had to, to labor without really seeing much. And uh, so, so maybe the thing you think you failed in, maybe you didn't fail. And maybe, maybe it hasn't fallen out under good yet, but maybe it's going to fall out under good. And many times time puts into context an event. It's difficult in mid-process to be clear-headed about what's happening. But Saul was somebody that God selected. Uh, Saul, Saul did not go out looking to be king. In fact, if you were to read chapter 9 of 1 Samuel 10... Both chapter 9 and chapter 10 are very rich in detail. And, uh, in they, you know, I could do a series on these two chapters, just explaining how God finds someone and, and what God uses to get someone's attention 
and how God confirms to somebody they're called to do something. And it's all laid out in these chapters. And uh, so, so uh, chapter 10 is going to just point out the things that God gave this man so he could succeed in the work of God. And I'm going to say to you tonight that every missionary in every place needs these same things. I'm going to say to you tonight that every pastor or evangelist or preacher, if he's going to succeed in the task that God has given him, he needs these things. And I'm going to point out four things to you tonight. I'll go further and say that probably every Christian needs these things. If you were to say, if I was to say to you, what do you think somebody needs to succeed uh, as a missionary or to succeed as a preacher? Uh, different people might say different things. Somebody might say, well, I, I think a good college education gets a man on the right path. And someone else might say, well, you know, I'm a believer in life experience. Uh, another might say, well, I think everybody needs to learn to work hard. And I think all of those things are valid. Uh, but what if we were to say to God, God, you tell us, what does a man need to, to, to have your blessing, to do, to do something for you and see you bless it? Lord, you tell us, if it was you, Lord, what would you give them? And all of that is answered in chapter 10. So I'll point out four things tonight. I want to do a reading and if you haven't read this passage before or you haven't read it for a while, it might seem a little strange. And please just, just, just come with me in the process and then I'll explain to you what was happening and then I'll point out those four things. And if you leave here tonight and just take away these four things and say, you know, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to pray for missionaries as they labor on their field that they would have these things. I'm going to pray for our pastor that God would give him these things. I, I think that would be a good thing. So we're in, we're in chapter 10. The context is that Samuel, who God has used to uh, speak to Saul about what God wants him to do, uh, is giving instructions about what's going to happen to Saul. And I'm going to pick up on verse 5 uh, to... to uh, lessen the reading for sake of time. Verse 5, and we're coming in mid-conversation, okay? And, and Samuel is saying uh, to uh, Saul, After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a sultry uh, and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee, to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and shew thee what thou shalt do. And it was so 
that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, that's the one spoken of in verse 5, behold, a company of prophets met him and the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, uh, what is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And I'll stop the reading there, but I want to just clarify the last couple of verses there. So great was the change that came over Saul uh, that a, a proverb or a saying came out of that. Now, every culture has sayings. Uh, Australian culture has sayings, and I know you have them. And uh, sometimes something will happen. We might say one of those sayings. And the saying that was born out of this, and by the way, God said, put that in the Bible. Make, make sure people know that. And I wonder if God lingered over chapter 9 and chapter 10 to just show us what Saul did was not my doing. I set him up to succeed. I gave him everything he needed to be able to do the work of God. And, and God has really detailed so many things. And uh, so, so it became a saying. Saul changed so much that, that uh, when people saw him change, they said, what is this? Is Saul also among the prophets? And uh, an, uh, another said, uh, but who is his father? And, and then it became a saying. And so what would happen is that when somebody had a dramatic change in their life, you, the saying was, oh, is Saul also among the prophets? And, and, and that, do you understand that? And it, it became a saying of the people. Such was the dramatic change in the man's life. Now, before we point out our four things here uh, that God gave him, I think there's more than four, but uh, sufficient for the evening that we do the four, I want you to see the reason why God called him to do what he did. And I'm thankful the Bible tells us this, uh, because any time someone is elevated, it's not for themselves. So it's a mistake to think that elevation is for you. If God is elevating you in a given area, then that's under some purpose of God. Does that make sense? And so, so this man is about to be elevated to the level of a king. Uh, Thailand has a royal family. Uh, Australia is still under the British monarchy. We never had a tea party. And uh, so, you know, we, we didn't go the way that you did. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, to, to be a king is a, is a high thing. Well, in chapter 9, it's, it's answered as to why God selected him. And uh, notice, please, if you have your Bible, look at verse number 16 of chapter 9. Uh, God is talking to Samuel, and uh, he says in verse 16, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man. All right, so God is saying, I've, I've 
selected the person. Okay, a, a calling of God is not you selecting a calling. It's God selecting you. You didn't just pick what you like. In fact, you may not like it. But a calling is simply an understanding. It's a recognition of, of God initiating something in your life where he's called you, he's selected you for a specific task. And the task at hand for this man, I will send thee a man out of the land of, the, uh, of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel. And you should have this marked in your Bible if you don't. It said that he may save my people. You see that frame? That he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. So God said, Samuel, there's people who need to be saved. And, and, and I'm going to have to select somebody to be the guy that goes and does that. Because I've heard their cries. You know, uh, uh, God rebuked Jonah for having no compassion. God, God rebuked Jonah for not caring about children and little ones. And you know, all over the world, there are people crying out to a God that they don't even know. Crying out in suffering. Uh, 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 l let me tell you, darkness is not just a saying. It has a terrible outworking. Uh, it, it leads to an awful life. And there's a lot of suffering and a lot of people crying out. Uh, I, I, let, I was telling pastors, I led a lady to Christ uh, in our church. And, and uh, by the time she got to me, early 20s, I led a man to Christ, the one I told you about who had the girlfriend called Yui. Well, this man would go to work and he would sit in the front seat of the car when they would go out in sales trips. And three people would sit in the back and, and two in the front. And he was talking to the person in the front about salvation, but they weren't listening. But she was sitting in the back. And so she heard the conversation. And so when they, when they got out and they had a moment, she said, I'd like to know about this. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'd, I'd like to know. And, uh, and so he talked to her and then... Uh, she, she contacted me and uh, uh, Joe and I went and met with her and, and she, just, she just poured out her, she just had a life of suffering. You know, Brother Halls used to say, if you don't have any suffering of your own, take on somebody else's. And she just had a life of suffering. And uh, she told me, she's just early 20s, she said, I said, tell me about your mum and dad. And she started to cry. She said, my mum is dead. I said, what? I said, oh. I said, what happened to your mum? She said, well, she said, when I was 12, she said she got a terrible cancer. And uh, I said, oh. And uh, she said, I, um, I tried to help my mummy. She said, I would go to the hospital. In, in Thai culture, uh, when you go to a Thai hospital, I've been there one or two times. Uh, when you go to a Thai hospital, somebody sleeps under the bed to take care of you. So I, I, I had something happen a couple of months ago and I'm fine, but I was in hospital for, th for three nights and, and my people would not leave me alone. They, they, no, 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 we will not leave you. 
And so one will sleep under the bed and one or two will sleep on the floor around the room. And that's how you go to hospital in Thailand. And those people, and they would get up to me through the night and they would, they would check me and they would lift me up and if I need to go to the bathroom, they would help me to do that. And that's what they do. And so she said, my mummy got cancer. She said, I was 12 going to school uh, but, but had to take care of mother, and so she would go and lay in the hospital room as her mother was dying. Well, her father was in the Thai, he was in the army, he was, had some rank in the Thai army, and he was a fairly clean living man up until his wife got sick. And then he couldn't cope with all of that, and, and he started drinking. And then he started drinking, and he started not coming home. So there was just her and her dying mother, and so she cared for her, and she said, I said, I'm so, her name is F, and if you ever come, you'll get to meet her. I said, F, I'm, I'm so sorry to, to, to hear that. That's awful. And she said, uh, yes. She said, well, she said, my mother got out of hospital, and we decided we needed help, and so we contacted her mother, so F's grandmother. And she said, we got, we got grandma to come to help. She said, but pastor, she said, the day grandmother came, she slipped on the bathroom tile and hit her head and died. And so she lost her grandmother. And then within a couple of weeks, she lost her mother. And her dad was AWOL. And I'm just saying that there's a lot of suffering in the world. You know, if you go home tonight to a safe home and you get into a warm bed and you look across to someone who loves you, you've been blessed. You've been blessed. And, and I would say two things. I would say give thanks to the blesser who has given you that. But I would also say cast your thoughts a little bit to those who will not rest as you rest tonight, who, who will not have what you have. And so, so there are people... And they're crying out, and they don't know what the answer is. Now, I'm, I'm thrilled to tell you, F found the answer. And uh, she met Jesus, and Jesus said, Welcome, F, I've been waiting for you. And, 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 and F came just as she was. And, and Jesus said, uh, Him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. And he, he received her. And, and, and we've got many people like that. Well, well God, God had an ear for people who were suffering. And you won't understand Saul's calling unless you understand that verse. That this was about God sending someone to where people needed to be saved. Is it okay to say that there's a missionary analogy with that? That there are people who need to be saved. And, and the Lord will send someone. So that's the reason for the call. Now, God's going to point out, he's going to give him four things here. We read it in chapter 10. And I'm going, to, I'm going to point those out to you. And they're the four things that I told you that someone needs to have if they're going to succeed on the mission field or anywhere else. By the way, the lead up to this was, and if you're praying about God's leading in your life, you need to remember this. Before these four things were given, Samuel said, okay, you need to go here. And you need to do this. And you need to wait here. And it was only when that obedience was acted upon that these things came. Have you got that? There's a divine order there. Obedient to what he's told you now. 
will lead you to what he wants to give you next. And that's a, that's a pattern for every one of us here tonight. So he gets there, and the first thing I want you to see that God gave him is mentioned in verse number 9, and it's, it's wonderful. Uh, verse 9 says this, As he turned his back to go from Samuel, here it is, mark it in your Bible, God gave him another heart. And that's the first thing you need if you're going to serve God. You may say tonight, Brother Shemish, I don't know that I have a heart for what God's asking me to do. God can give you another heart. God will give you the heart you need for what he's asked you to do. God has the ability to change your heart. God has the ability to make this something it never was before. The Lord can do that. And God said, I know Saul, and I know his family, and I know all about him, and, but he, he, he can do this, but I've got to give him another heart. And that's the first thing that God will give somebody. He'll give it to a missionary. He'll give it to a preacher. He'll give it to someone who God is asking you to do something. He's going to give you another heart. And I remember when that happened for me. I, uh, I was, you know, I'm an Aussie and I was a fifth generation Australian. Uh, I didn't really have much of a burden for Asia, just to be honest. And, uh, and uh, I just, you know, I, I wasn't against anybody and I supported missions, but I didn't really feel a lot for it, if I could just say that. Uh, and, uh, but I did. And so as our church in Australia got blessed, I, I'd taken a church uh, that had a, a membership of about 30, and uh, they were six months behind in the payments and about to lose everything. And anyway, God put me there. And as God began to bless that ministry over the years, well, some people noticed that. And so I, I would get, I would get, and you're going to have to explain this to your children, I would get a letter. You remember a letter? I would get a letter come in the mail and a letter, I'd get a letter, it'd look a little bit like that, and, uh, and uh, it would say, Dear Pastor Shemish, uh, we would like you to, we'd like to invite you to come and preach for us. And these meetings were in other countries apart from Australia. So we had, we have within close distance of Australia's Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, the most populous Muslim country in the world. And then you go up to Malaysia and then Singapore, that little Singapore is there. And then you have Thailand, Vietnam. If you go to the right-hand side of the map, uh, you'll come to the Philippines. And uh, Vietnam is up there in Cambodia. So you have Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. And you go across the, you've got to come to the Philippines and then up a little bit is Japan. And then you go across to Korea. And so all of that, I get these letters. Can you come? And I've got to tell you, and I'm, I'm sort of embarrassed to tell this, but... But, but I'll just tell you, I'd get the letter and I'd say, no, no. And I, I'd, walk, I'd walk over to the, the, the trash, you know, and I'd, we used to say, file it in file 13. And so I'd, I'd put it in the trash and, and it was filed. And, and uh, you know, I just had no interest in that. I was passionate for Australia and, uh, and all that was fine. Well, one day another letter came in. And, uh, and I opened it and I read it and it was from uh, some people who were in the Philippines, in the city of Cebu in the Philippines. And I tell you, I was on my way to file 13 
uh, with my uh, letter. And just as I was walking with it, I said, now, God, if you want me to go, you just tell me. And as clear as anything, I felt him say, go. And I was sorry I prayed. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I shouldn't have prayed. Honestly, I thought, oh, I shouldn't have prayed. And then I, now I felt in a bind between, well, now you've asked him. And so he's made it clear to you. And what are you going to do? You, got, you know, and I was, oh, no. So uh, I went and got about, I think there was three of my men in the church. I just grabbed three. And I said, uh, fellas, I uh, just want you to know you're going to the Philippines. And they said, what, what are we going to the Philippines for? I said, don't worry about it. If I have to go, you're going as well. And uh, so I got four of my men, and uh, it was four of us all up, and I remember we, and I just had a terrible attitude. I'm just being transparent. I, I was going, but I didn't want to go, and I was thinking, I'm going to make this as short as I can. I'm going to get in, and I'm going to get out. And so we, and I've never been up there. I've never seen anything up there. I'm, a, I'm an Australian. And so I'm on the plane, and we're coming into Cebu, and the airport, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? You know, and I can, I can see him, and I remember seeing the control tower of the airport, and it had all these rust stains running down the side, and it was sort of leaning on an angle. And I thought, I thought, what? And I tell you, the truth, this is the truth, just before we touched down, I looked out the window, and there was a helicopter upside down in the grass to the left of the runway. And I thought, no. And so, you know, we land, and I'm just thinking, oh, God, what have I done? And, and uh, you know, I'm getting cranky with the men who are with me. And, and uh, so, come on. And so we, we, we got out, and we're waiting. And this Asia has noise and chaos, and it's crowded, and, you know, very different to Australia. And, and I'm out there, and it's, mm, 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 and all this. And, and finally, the little man pulls up to pick me up, the little Fil Filipino driver from the church. And, uh, and you know, they're always energetic. And, uh, and when you're in a bad mood, you hate that. And so he's just, he's energetic, and, and uh, he pulls up, good morning, pastor, good to have you in the Philippines. Righto, brother. Just put the, put the stuff in the back. And so... I'm sitting in the front seat, the men are in the back, the little driver's driving, and uh, he's gonna, he said, would you like to get something to eat or go to the hotel? Straight to the hotel, brother. And so he's driving to the hotel. Well, he was talking, and, and I, at some point, I, I just, I don't know, he was talking, but I wasn't hearing. And I'm looking out the window, and I begin to see things I've never seen before. And I, I see people, I see people, uh, lots of people living under wet cardboard boxes and children not clothed and st stagnant water. And, and I'm looking out the window as he's driving and I see old ladies with bent backs, uh, with homemade straw brooms sweeping the road. And I looked out and he was talking but God was talking. And I looked out the window and, and I remember just being smitten. And I said it out loud. I said, you know, you're wicked. You're just wicked. 
What's wrong with you? And, and God just, that's the day God gave me another heart. That's, that's when it happened. And uh, I went and I preached that meeting and it was blessed. And, and you know, everything changed. He said, what, 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 what happened? Did it look different outside? No. No, we took off. The helicopter was still there. <laughs> but something changed in here. And God has the ability to give you another heart. And, and don't ever say to someone, well, you know, I'm just like this. I've, I've always been like this. Well, you might need to change. You, you might need to change. You might need to say, that's not right. That's, that's not good. So the first thing that God gave him was another heart. And that's what you need. The second thing I want you to see that God gave him here is found in verse number 10. And uh, verse number 10 says that when he met those prophets that uh, God said he was going to meet. And notice it, here it is, the Spirit of God came upon him. And that's the second thing you're going to need if you're going to do the work of God. You're going to need another heart. But you're absolutely going to need the Spirit of God. And, and without that, nothing's going to happen. Uh, without that, you're a noisy gong. Uh, without that, there's no power on what you're saying. You've, you've got to have God in it. And, you, and, and you, you've got to get God with you. And you've got to learn how to, how to have God come and be part of what's happening. And, and I guess the, the process of learning that for me was when I took that little church and a church of 30 members, and I was excited about it. I was going to be their new pastor. And uh, after one month of me being the pastor of that church, I grew that church from 30 to 20. <laughs> and then I really knew uh, I needed God. And uh, so, so I, 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 here's what I did. And, and our folks didn't know this, and they'd have to hear this to know this. Uh, here's what I did. I said, Lord... I've, I've got to have you come. I've, I've, got, I've got to have you here. And so I'd come to the church, I would say a couple of hours before service. And we had chairs like this, individual chairs. And so I'd come to the church and the first thing I would do, I'd get down in front of a chair and I'd kneel in front of it. And I'd put my hand up on that chair and I'd begin to pray. I'd say, Lord, I don't know who's going to sit in this one today but you know who they are and you know where they are right now. And Lord, I pray, I beg you, God, when they come and sit here, I pray the Holy Spirit would just touch them. And I, God, I, they're not going to know it, Lord, but when they sit here, would you meet them? And would you just do something that only you can do? And I pray a prayer like that and then I, I, I got up from that chair and, and then I went to the next chair. And I prayed a similar prayer right over the next chair. And then I got up from that chair. I was the only one in the auditorium. And then I went to the next chair. And I worked my way, and the Lord knows what I'm telling you. I worked my way around till I prayed over every chair. And it took near that time that I'd been there early. And then before they got there, after praying over each of those chairs, 
I walked around the building seven times. You say, you're a little bit crazy. I, I walked around and, and I, I said, God, it's your place. It's your place. And you've got to do it. And I know you can do it. And, and Lord, I, I want you to come. And I, I prayed like that. Well, nobody knew that. Uh, people would arrive and they'd come in and it wasn't a big group. And, you know, a few visitors had come and people had come in and I'd uh, open the word of God and, uh, and I'd say, I turn in your Bibles. People had opened their Bibles. And then the best I could, I'd begin to just preach. And, uh, and uh, here's what would happen. I'd begin to preach and God would do this. And you could sense it. And people would be, and it was, it was God. And, and he was there. And I, I'd preach and, and I'd finish and the Lord would say, give an invitation. <laughs> I'd say, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here today that you've come and you know you need Christ and you need to be saved? And then, and then I'd wait a little bit and then I, some, some old man would go, I'd say, I see that hand. All right. God would say, ask it again. I'd say, is there anybody else who might be here? And then it would happen again. And then there'd be a couple over here. And I'm not saying they came in thousands, but we'd stand up and seven adults would walk the aisle for salvation. And they'd come back. And God changed their lives. And, 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 and people would come years after. they say, Brother Shemish, what's the technique? What, what's, the, what's the formula? You know, what, what was the program you used? I say, I really don't have one. And they'd think, you're holding back. You don't want to share your secrets. But it wasn't that. You know what it was? It was God. It was God. And God would just, God would just blow and I want, to, I want to say to the church, I'm going to leave you tonight, but, but I want to say what I'm telling you about what happened can happen here. It can happen next week. It can happen in this place. And don't you let the devil tell you that that's somehow gone. God can do that. And, and over the years of that ministry, God began to bless that church and grew. And, and uh, I tell you what, I thought it's the greatest years of my life. I went to the mission field. Nobody knew us. I, I, I won one little Thai man to the Lord after two years. He yelled at me the first time I gave him a track. What, what he didn't tell you got worse before it got better. And he didn't tell you this because he feels embarrassed to say it. He really does. He doesn't really like it when I tell it. But, uh, but just one more time. And uh, so uh, what happened was after refusing the track, I thought, well, I'll just be a bit more persistent. And so I'd got a little bit persistent with him. And one day he just exploded. And we, 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 were, in, we were in Bangkok. We were in a public setting. We were in a Starbucks. And he's sitting there. And in broken English, he's this big. He says to me, okay, you and me fighting. And I said, what? I fighting you. And he lifts his hands up. He's going to do a Muay Thai, Thai boxing thing on me. I fighting you. And I'm saying, 
I'm thinking, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm saying, uh, stop. No, I'm fighting you. Sit, sit down. Just sit down. No, no, we're fighting. And the whole place is turning around and looking. And I thought, he's mad. He's mad. And, and I'm thinking, you can't win with this. He's this big. Even if you win, you're not going to win. They're all going to, you're going to be taken away. You, 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 what do you do? And so he got really worked up. And, uh, and that was in the first two years. And finally, I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I said, I'm leaving. And he said, no, you're not going. I said, I'm going. And I stood up and I walked away. But I walked away like this. Because I thought, sure, he's going to run after me and jump. And, 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 and I thought, oh, I'm done. This, this, he's crazy. I'm, I'm done with this guy. Why did you send me here? And, 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 and I thought, and then it started to happen again. And then he got saved. And then I won another. And then I'll tell you, God is my witness. I was walking down the street. There would have been a thousand people there. And God said, talk to that one. Now you say, no, 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 God's done that to you. I know he has. I know he's told you, talk to that person. And many times we don't. And he said, talk to that one. And I walked over. There were thousands of people there. I walked over. I said, uh, God was eating noodles. I walked over and I said, uh, hello. He went. How are you? And he started eating noodles fast. He's scooping up his noodles and he's looking at me. And I said, well, I, and before I could finish, he jumped up and uh, left his noodles and, uh, and, and started walking up the street fast. Well, I followed him. So I, I started going up after him. And, uh, and I'm following him. He's looking back. And he's walking faster and faster and faster. And I'm, this is the truth. And I'm walking after him. And then finally, he ran across four lanes of traffic to get away from me. And, and, and as he was running across the road, I yelled out to him. I, I said, I said, I could see he had a shirt on. Of work. I said, where do you work? And he yelled back in Thai. He yelled back, Chang, and just kept running. And Chang means elephant. And I thought, that's odd. Anyway, I, I said, well... Oh, Lord, I tried, you know. And so uh, I uh, just sort of kept going. Well, it was a few weeks. I'd be walking around. I kept looking for what's the workplace called Elephant. One day I came across a shop. And I thought, oh, it was called Elephant, whatever. And I, I walked in there. And the lady at the counter said, uh, uh, yes, can I help you? And I said, I was just looking for, and I'm looking for him. And he's not there. And I say, oh, it's okay. And at the moment, he walks down the stairs into the shop. And I went, oh, I was looking for him. And I want to tell you, he went, <gasps> he was just shocked. And anyway, uh, from that, I, I, we, we talked and, and uh, we went out. And I, it would take too long to tell you the whole story. But, but I, I led that man to Christ. And that was the third one. And he's worked for me for 12 years. And he's married and he's got a child and he preaches and tells others about Jesus. And he'll, he'll tell you just what I told you, that that's how it happened. But he'd cry. He'd say, that's how it happened. He'd cry. He'd say, that's how he, that's how he found me.
He cried. And I look back over my years in Australia and I said, God, I'll never see it again. I'll never see it again. It's been the greatest years of my life. I'll never, I'll never forget that, Lord. I'll never forget what you did in Australia. And now I'm 15 years on in Thailand. And he's, I say, he did it again. He did it again. You know, sometimes it's harder to believe for the second miracle than it is to believe for the first. Sometimes when you get it the first time, you think you've got a life quota. That's it. Don't ask those big things anymore. And it can be hard to believe. But when the Spirit of God comes, everything changes. God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so God came and God worked and and it was the Spirit of God. And God said, Saul, I'm going to set you up for success. You need another heart. You need the Spirit of God. The third thing God gave him here, and I'm almost done, is God gave him a new group of friends. And you'll find that in verse number 11, he got hooked in with some prophets. And he wasn't part of that group before. But, you know, when when God does something in you, he starts to put you with like-minded people. And God has a way of using uh, divine appointments to bring you to people and to bring someone to you. uh, who, who, And the plan is that you and them are going to do something great for God together. And most of what you'll do for the Lord, you'll be a part of. Paul said, well, don't give me all the credit because the one man sowed and one man watered and another reaped, but it was God. And most of what you do, you're going to be part of something. And so, so God said, you need some people around you. And, and I see that in our life. God has assembled some people around me. Uh, I, 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 uh, my, my team of men now and others in our church, God has just deeply bonded us together. Uh, the, the, Thais, the Thai people, when they look at us, they're seeing something they've never seen before. The authorities who monitor us are just perplexed. They've never seen a group of young Thai men love a foreigner and, and walk with him and stand beside him and, and stand in front of him. They've never seen that. And they just look at it like, what is this? What is this? God said, Saul, if you're going to get the job done, I'm going to have to put you with some good people. If you go to chapter, if you look in chapter 10, look in verse 26. It says, Saul also went to Gibeah and there went with him. Notice this. Did you read it and not notice it before? A band of men whose hearts God had touched. Can you see that? God did that. God said, I understand you need it. I understand if you're going to do what I want you to do, you're going to have to have that. And so God touched a group of people. And by the way, he calls that a band. That word is used in Genesis 32 and verse number 10. And uh, it's used in regard to Jacob who said this. He said, I crossed this Jordan with my staff meaning it was just me. And he said, and as he was coming back all those years later, he said, and now I'm become two bands. And uh, he went on to say, when he says that to God, he said, I'm not worthy. 
And it's very, it's very touching to read it. He said, I'm not worthy of all the mercy and the truth that thou hast shown me. And if you want to know what is it that will cause people to assemble together like that, it's two things, mercy and truth. See, there are some places that have a lot of mercy, but they don't have truth. And there are some places that have truth, but they don't have much mercy. But if you want God in on it, you've got to have both those things. And when those things are there, God will assemble the people. So that was the third thing that God gave him to succeed in what God had called him to do. And the last thing, as we finish tonight, is found in verse number 10 also. It said in that the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And number four is God gave him an ability to proclaim the word of God. Because prophecy is telling forth the message of God. And he didn't have that before. And God said, you're going to need that because every blessing that God bestows upon us comes through the word of God. And as we have faith in the things that God has said. And you can never remove the word of God from the task that God has given you. Joe's life changed because he heard the word of God. Our church has changed. People's lives change. That's why the devil does a lot to get you to not come. Because you might come and you're going to hear something and it's going to be life changing. And you're going to leave here and you're going to say, unmistakably, he spoke to me tonight unmistakably. And that's why there's so much energy put into trying to keep you back. Uh, He tries to, missionaries on the field, he he tries to keep them so busy that they don't soak themselves in the Word of God. But But you've got to have the Word of God. People's lives change when they hear the Word of God. You'll change under the preaching of the Word of God. And, 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 and by the way, when I tell you something, I'm going to finish. Samuel said to Saul, it's in verse 27 of chapter 9. Do you have it there? The context was this. There was Samuel, there was Saul, and there was a servant. So there was three of them. And Samuel's about to tell what God said. But notice what he said, and I've marked it in my Bible. He says to Saul, bid thy servant to... Pass on before us. Send send him ahead. And then notice it here. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. And if you won't stand still a while, you won't get the word of God. And what have we become? We've become people who have elevated time above the giver of time. We, we have become people who get impatient with God. Come on. The queue's getting pretty big down there by now. And, and, and shamefully, shamefully, uh, we, we have tried to rush God and tell God, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear from you, but it better be in this time because we don't want to miss the special of the restaurant down there. I say, Brother Shemish, I'm busy. Mm. Oh, we have a lot on. There's a lot going on. Mm. I know. But he said, stand thou still a while. 
and I'll show you the word of God. And if you want to hear from him, you're going to have to stand still a while. And if you'll do that, he'll come and he'll speak and he'll show you things you didn't know before. So, preacher, where, where do you, why do you see, why do you see these things? Well, I only see what he shows me. But I've got to pause and just sit at his feet to get it. And that's the same for all of us. And God said, Saul, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'll give you another heart. I can do that. I'm going to put the spirit of God on you and what you do. I'll assemble some people around you. They'll help you. And I'm going to give you an ability to speak out the word of God. And that's what God deemed to be necessary for somebody to succeed. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm going to leave here. Tonight, my time with you is over. I wonder tonight, uh, not for Brother Shemish, but in acknowledgement of maybe the Lord himself, I wonder tonight how many would say, Brother Shemish, this is not about you, but God spoke to me tonight, and I'll admit it. If that's you, would you raise your hand and let me see your hand? Yes, God bless you. Yes, 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 many. Well, God bless you. You are indeed blessed if you've heard from him tonight. Uh, We're going to stand in a moment. We're going to take some time to pray. There might be some who'd like to use the altar tonight. Here's what I'd like you to do. If God has spoken to you tonight, would you please answer him? Would you speak back to him? That's all I'm asking you to do. Would you just say, I heard it, Lord, I heard it. Or would you say, Lord, help me with that, please? Or would you say this, Lord, I need it, I need it, I need it. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God has spoken to you. The piano is going to play. Let's go ahead and stand where we are. Would you take a moment to pray? The altar is open. Some tonight ought to come. And just say, I'm going to meet with God tonight, Brother Shemish. And I'm not embarrassed. I just want him. I want him tonight. I want the touch and I want him and I want him to see me here and the altar is open. If you need to come, you, you come and just, just call out. If you've been blessed tonight and the Lord has spoken to you, why don't you just answer him tonight? You might need to say, God, change my heart. I need it. I need it. Or you might need to say, I just need your breath, God. Would you breathe on me? Would you help me with whatever it is? And if you have nothing to pray about tonight for you, would you pray for somebody else? Is there someone else tonight? And God is saying, pray for them. I'm here tonight. I'll hear it. Pray for them. And there might be another you just need to pray for. And let's just take a moment because the visitation of God is a precious thing. And we just just want to be yielded to that. Uh, Please pray for me. I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Is there a wayward child tonight and your heart's broken and and you've, you've lost your hope? Would you call out their name again tonight? 
would you say, God, tonight, would you touch them? Would you, would you help them tonight, Lord? They're not here, but I'm here. And I pray that you touch them. Would you pray for the missionaries as they go out? Would you pray for Joe? And say, God, help him. Help him. Help him with the culture and his family. Help Brother Shemish. Help Curtis as he surrendered to God. Whatever it is, let's just take a moment to pray. I'm certain that God is with us tonight. And I believe if you just call out to him with a sincere heart, that he'll hear you tonight.